0: This is nuts. uh, To be on the same place with giants in so many ways is a huge honor. And I was thinking about this and saying, this is like, you know, first of all, this space um, overwhelms me. I came in here when I first walked in here. I sat for 30 minutes by myself just to soak this in. But I think what this is about is like that window, this synagogue with Moorish architecture, with that stained glass, with all of the colors and all of the light and all of that. It feels like that to me. I've been asked to wrap up these last few minutes and these last two days, I'm seeing Jesus in a different way. And I've seen him for quite a while. I'm I'm an old dude. And, and I see him as this disorienting, magnetic. You know, his words disorient me, and his actions magnetize me. And so I'd like to, sort of stepping off of what Len talked about yesterday, that the story, the whole story, is about narrative, metaphor, and a soundtrack. And I'd like to give two pictures, two metaphors in picture, Uh, today, just in wrapping up. The first one's very short. Um, I went to a golf tournament 10 or 12 years ago in Southern Virginia. I'm not a good golfer, but I'm avid. Uh, Our eldest daughter sent me a card for Christmas some years ago saying, Dad, we were gonna give you some of those new long-distance golf balls, but we figured you wouldn't wanna walk any farther into the woods, and you already walk. (laughs) It was a conference, it was a a golf tournament, three days, where guys who were Jesus followers invited guys who weren't Jesus followers essentially, as far as they could tell, but they liked to hit the long ball, and so they came to this time, and and before each round of golf, there would be a 20-minute talk just on Jesus. 30 minutes before they were supposed to give one of the talks, somebody came to me and said, would you give the talk? I said, like, on what? They said, on the simplicity of Jesus. I'm going, well, okay. And I walk into the drink tent. It's got everything from Poland spring water to Johnny Walker red. And I had this thought, sometimes hunches are leadings of the spirit. And I think think this was. And I grabbed a water, and I grabbed a can of Coca-Cola. I love Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola loves me. (laughs) And I said, One of the images of Jesus in scripture is water. He stands up and says, everybody that's thirsty, come here. He says to the woman at the well, let me talk to you about water. This is a very simple formula, two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen. Your body is two thirds this. If you don't get this for five days, you die. This is life. This uses water, but this formula is unbelievable. It's got words in it like benzoate and c- citrus and all kinds of herb And all, it's a secret formula. It's a, tra- it's a secret formula. It's, and if you drink a lot of this, you'll swell up. I've gained hundreds of pounds <laughs> drinking this. If you put a nail in this, it will go away in three days. You know, you could put this on your rusted wire or your battery cables. That's tremendous for that. And if you, if you drink too much of this, it'll kill you because it's toxic. This is an unbelievable formula. You put this on your roses, you don't put this on your roses. You take a bath in this, you don't take a bath in this. You wash your car with this, you don't wash your car with this. Why? Because this leaves crud and corruption and gunk. And this is a cleansing agent. When you add stuff to Jesus, you don't make him better. You dilute him. And sometimes we can even make him toxic. So, that's just one thought. The other thought is this, it's it's one thing to talk about simply Jesus, follow this this pure Jesus, but how it plays out simply in my life, you know, I'm listening here and I say the simply Jesus doesn't take you to simple places, I mean, I, I was listening to this. but. I want to tell you a story of a woman, two women actually. The first one is, is this woman. She's in the scripture. She's the widow with mites, two little coppers. There's a, we have a picture of her uh, that'll come up here in a minute, I think. There's a Dutch painter by the name of Reenport Bleet, And Jesus is in the temple and he's watching people put their treasure in and the wealthy guys come and they put their treasures and he sees this woman who puts in her little copper coins and he says she gave more than all the big dogs she gave everything she had she gave her whole livelihood in that moment and this woman who put in a penny becomes iconic for 2,000 years until now for what it means to be generous and committed and dedicated. On the one hand, we don't add to Jesus. But what happens when everything gets taken away from us? She lost her husband. We don't know what else she lost. But if this is everything she has, she didn't have much. I want to tell you a story of a woman who lost some stuff, but still had Jesus. Her name was Gwendolyn Vance Boyd, born on July 11, 1910, in the San Joaquin Valley of California. She, uh, when she was four, the war to end, all wars started in Europe. When she was seven, a Spanish flu, or a flu epidemic, swept the world. Eight million people died in World War I, 25 million people died of the flu. When she was 19, The stock market crashed, and she went off to a Bible training school. She was the eldest of six, and her mother took in washing so that Gwen could have piano lessons. She became an expert pianist and organist. She met a a six-foot-two-and-a-half handsome guy by the name of Oliver in that training school. They married, had a couple of kids, did a couple of church plants, and in 1945, they went to India as missionary educators. Six months in, in a village by herself, essentially, she had a nervous collapse. Now, Jesus was with her during the war years. Jesus was with her during the influenza epidemic. Jesus was with her when Jesus was with her when the money went away. <laughs> yes. Just grab my. Millions of people, hang on out there. <laughs> Are we good? Jesus was with her in all of that. He walked her through the emotional collapse she had in that place of serving God. Gwendolyn Vance Boyd's married name was Foth, and it's my mom. And we came back from India and moved to California, and I grew up in East Oakland, California, and when I was in junior high years, my parents, I sensed the tension in them, and then I went off to college, and I married Ruth, and four months after we were married, when I was at Wheaton grad school, I got a letter from my father saying he was leaving my mother, and he walked off into another place. They had been married 29 years. She was 53, had never worked outside the home, and she had to go out and learn to type. Moved to Southern California by my sister, and there she got a job at Huntington Memorial Hospital in Pasadena. She worked there from age 54 until age 70. They said, Gwen, you're too old. She said, okay, and she went across the street and walked another, worked another 10 years at, a, at another place until she was 80. She drove in Southern California till she was 92. You may have seen her. <laughs> My mom thought she was still in India. Just put pedal to the metal, go for it, baby. My mom never lost. We, we heard the phrase about laughter is at the heart of the father, son, and she never lost her laughter. She never lost her song. When she went through all of those things, the laughter and the song and Jesus still stuck. And uh, she called me one day when I was president of this small college and says, Dick, is your is your phone out at your house? I said, No, I don't think so. She said, Oh, I tried to call last night and I couldn't get through. And, and uh, well, actually, she didn't call me. A pack bell operator called me and said, is there something wrong with your phone? I said, no. And I explained, she said, we're going to send a crew out just to see if there's anything wrong. I said, how did you know to call me? She said, well, your mother in Southern California uh, called us and said she couldn't get through. Gwen Foth, area code 714, I said, yes. And she said, uh, she, she also had a message for you, and that is she's going to the doctor today, but it's nothing serious. Only an 81-year-old mother could get a packed bill operator to call you and give you a medical report as you're there. My mom, my mom drove everywhere. She was old school. She would dress up in her finery to go to the grocery store, and in downtown Pasadena, somebody T-boned her and really creamed the car, and the police came, and she was shaking, said, are you okay? She said, I'm good. I said, are you sure? She said, I'm, I'm sure, and then she looked out the window and said, oh, but we killed that poor little dog in the in the collision, the officer said, Ma'am, he said, that little dog, we killed that little. And the, the officer looked down and said, Ma'am, that's, n- um, that's not a dog, uh, that's your wig. <laughs> and my mom told that story on herself. <laughs> and then when she was older, like in her mid 90s, dementia visited and stayed. And dementia's not funny, but my mom's funny. She called me when I was in D.C. and said, uh, or I called her, actually, on her birthday and said, Mom, this is Dick. And she turned to somebody in the place where she was staying and said, My brother's on the phone. She's got four brothers, none of whom are named Dick. And I said, No, no, Mom, this is your son, Dick. She said, Oh, Dick, honey, you live way over there, don't you? She's in Orange County, California. I said, Yes, I'm in Washington, D.C. She she said, You know, I have a son in Washington, D.C. I said, Mom, that's me. She She laughed and said, There must be two of you. And Jesus showed up in the moment. She always kept her song. She would go to nursing homes in her 90s and play concerts, start with show tunes, morph into hymns. And on her 93rd birthday, what do you give a 93-year-old? They give it. They start giving stuff back when they're in their 80s. They don't. And my sisters and cousin, my sister and cousins, took her to the Ritz-Carlton in Dana Point. Big Busendorf piano there in the lounge and my cousin walked over to the guy who was playing, and said, when you take a break, there's a wonderful pianist here, why don't we... Ha-? He said, okay, and he came over, said, I'm on break. She went over, sat down, started playing show tunes, morphed into hymns, and then threw her head back <clears throat> and started to sing an old camp meeting song. There's going to be a meeting in the air in the sweet, sweet by and by, and oh, I want to see you over there way beyond the sky. And people gathered around the piano and started singing with her. And my sister and cousins are standing over there bawling, you know. She never lost her song. When the love of her life walked away, she snuggled into Jesus and brought her family with her. Because when you follow Jesus, that's where the power is. That's where the safety is. That's just how it is. And if mom were here today, she'd she'd sing her signature song for you. At her 90th birthday party, she went over and played some songs, and, and she played her signature song. And if she could be here, well, why don't I just have her play it? In August of 2010, my mother went home to Jesus at the age of 100 years and four weeks. I think she thought, <clears throat> I'm out, you take it, both. That's how it is. She is married, she is buried, her body lies in Fairhaven Cemetery in Santa Ana, California. And a 100 feet away is a marker for another grave, the first female watchmaker ever licensed in Holland, her body lies there. Her name is Corrie Ten Boom. And Corrie Ten Boom was famous for saying something like this. You don't know that Jesus can be all you need until Jesus is all you have. Go back.